0: Our second reading is the first chapter of Romans, beginning at the first verse. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. So this uh, month we have been focusing on obedience. We've been meditating on what it means to obey, but not just any kind of obedience, but that which is um, our desire as people of God, as followers of Jesus, to to seek what God wants for us, to do what God desires for us in response to all of his goodness and mercy shown to us without our asking and without our deserving. If you've not been in worship the last couple of weeks or if you're visiting for the first time today, uh, the previous uh, sermons in this series are right there on our website on the homepage. You can give those a listen at your convenience. In our study of the Word this month, uh, we came to understand that everyone, everyone, everyone obeys something, some person, some power, even if that individual you know, claims to not let anyone be his boss, even if that person claims to be autonomous. And we remembered how that great uh, theologian, Bob Dylan, uh, put it in his song. you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you are going to serve somebody or something. And as Christians, we make it our goal to serve the living God of grace and truth. Last week, we learned how our ancestors, in obedience to the Lordship of Christ, our ancestors um, in Asia Minor, uh, suffered to the point of horrific Uh, Death, All because of Christ. Uh, The emperor at the time, Nero, uh, detested these Christians. They were being arrested, imprisoned, tortured. Uh, Parents separated from their children. uh, Humiliated and put to death publicly on crosses and then set on fire. And they went the way of martyrdom uh, faithfully. So we learned that the call to obedience is uh, for all seasons and all circumstances, not just when things are easy or uh, going well for us. We're called to be obedient even in times of suffering. And today we conclude this series of meditations on obedience by focusing on Paul. Uh, many of you know this, but we've got a lot of new believers in our congregation and a lot of people who have been going to church for years but are just now starting, starting to study God's Word on a regular basis. So for some of you, I know this is review, but for some, it's new information. Uh, Paul, who wrote our letter this morning to the Romans, at one time hated the church. He persecuted the church. Before he uh, was a follower of Jesus, before his conversion, he'd been responsible for the imprisonment and the death of many believers. You can read about this in the New Testament book called The Acts of the Apostles, chapters 7 and 8. And before this dramatic change in his life and his mind and his heart Paul was known as Saul. It was Saul who was in authority when Stephen, the very first Christian martyr, was put to death by stoning in Jerusalem. But you see, God had a plan for Saul. He turned the man who despised the church into the very same man who would give his life for Christ. You can read about his conversion in that same book, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9. Uh, This persecutor of Christians went on to become the greatest missionary of the first century and some would say even the greatest Christian missionary of all time. And his change from the old way to the new life was so dramatic that that old name just didn't fit anymore. He was a totally new person in Christ, deserving of a new name. Um, I had a friend in high school whose name was Bubba. And uh, you know when you have senior class superlatives... You know, most likely to succeed, most attractive, most school-spirited, best dressed. If there had been a superlative for most likely to wind up in prison, it would have been my good friend Bubba. Bubba was always in trouble. Uh, Bubba was always in trouble. Um, We had 200 boys go out for varsity basketball. Bubba made the team. Uh, Only 12 made the final cut. But he didn't show up for school or practice for like three or four days and and the coach kicked him off the team and and Bubba just was always you know always in trouble and then you know my life unfolded and I moved away from Virginia I went to school in Iowa Minnesota moved to New Mexico and then I found Bubba on Facebook and he had his phone number there and so I I called him up and um he answered the phone. Hello? I said, you'll, you'll never guess who this is. Is that you, Bruce Wilder? I said, yeah, Bubba. How you doing? He goes, well, first of all, don't call me Bubba anymore. Um, that was the old me. Uh, you can call me by my, my given name now. And I said, Bubba, I don't know your given name. <laughs> well, you can call me William. And then he went on to talk about um, how things went from bad to worse and how he, uh, at rock bottom, came to know Christ. And he told me about the man um, in prison who told him about Jesus. So he's got a new name, Bubba is no more, it's William. And he needed to uh, move to Colorado just to get away from all the old demons. And I had the joy of seeing him not too long ago up in Castle Rock, and it was a sweet reunion, let me tell you. Oh, and by the way, he was very surprised to find out that a wild man had become a pastor. But that's a sermon for a a different day, maybe the week before I retire. So remember, uh, God can use you. God will use you no matter what you've done or how hard you may have fallen or how far away you may have wandered from your father's heart. He used a man like Saul. He used Bubba, and he can use you. Uh, Your past is no obstacle to God's mercy, and he can give you a brand new life and a new future. This letter, uh, written by Paul uh, to Christians in Rome... Was sometime around uh, 55 60 AD. Uh, Paul wrote while he was in the city of Corinth, and he had plans to go and visit the church in Jerusalem and then travel to Spain, where he intended to tell people about Jesus. And it was his intention to stop in Rome on the way to Spain. So this letter was his way of introducing himself to the believers there. And reminding them that he preached the same gospel of Jesus Christ, that he was one of them. And in these first few verses of his introduction, Paul speaks of, and you heard it, uh, God's grace and our uh, apostleship. And that's what we're going to focus on this moment uh, this morning for a moment: Grace. Okay, what does that word uh, mean to you? When some people think of grace, the only thing they can think of is that, well, she moves gracefully. You know, Fred Astaire uh, danced with such grace, and he did. Some Christians uh, speak of saying grace. Have you ever said with family and friends, let's say grace before we eat? And that's just a, a way of saying let's pray, giving thanks to God for the food and drink that we're about to receive. And many people have heard about grace because they've they've heard the hymn, Amazing Grace, and they know that it, it saved a wretch like me, but they're not quite sure why they are wretches in the first place or how it is that grace came to save them. So, so what is grace, biblically speaking? Whenever you see the word grace in the New Testament, it always, always, always refers to God's unmerited, unconditional, perfect love. Mercy shown to us beautifully and singularly in Jesus Christ. So when we talk about grace, we're talking about Jesus. And when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the one who was obedient unto death, even death on a cross, for our sake, and who rose again on the third day. Grace for believers is not just some generic word that, that refers to moving in a beautiful manner on the dance floor, and it's not just, you know, referring to some kind of general goodness or, or kindness. It's more specific than that. It's good. Yes, it is. And it comes wrapped in kindness. Yes, it does. But it's the goodness and the kindness of your heavenly Father demonstrated to you in Jesus Christ, your Savior. So you and I have received this specific powerful grace. It's been done for us and it has been done to us. And Paul reminds your spiritual ancestors in Rome that they have received the very same grace that we celebrate today. And because of that grace, he then reminds them and reminds us of our apostleship. Now, apostle is another word that we don't necessarily use in our day to day language. The word literally means uh, one sent forth. Those who have received grace are called to go out, to go forth, to move into the world as God's ambassadors, representatives. Now, early on in the life of the ancient church, uh, for a while, it was thought that only the first 12 disciples could be called apostles. But over time, the church came to understand that in Christ, uh, having received grace, we're all in this great apostolic line of faith, hope, and love. Paul was not one of the 12 original disciples, but he was able, by God's grace, to refer to himself as an apostle. And he's reminding all those Christians in Rome and all of you that you are apostles. And, you know, some of us think, well, that's not me. I mean, Paul was an apostle because he was a great missionary. And we're all called to be missionaries, some are called to go to far distant lands and leave the comforts and all the familiarity of home behind and, and spread the good news of Jesus in, in different countries. Uh, my wife Kirsten's grandparents were Norwegian Lutheran missionaries to Madagascar. But God doesn't call the overwhelming majority of us to Madagascar or China or Brazil or Central Europe. Um, God calls most apostles to go forth right in their hometowns. So you need to remember that when you step out the front door, you are going forth in the name of Christ as an apostle. It's who you are. You are sent forth by God's grace to your schools, your businesses, your recreational sports teams, our young people uh, who are going to college, who've returned to college, are sent there not just as students, but as apostles to share the love of God with those who don't yet know him. And and Paul says that we have received this grace and are called to apostleship to bring about, did you hear it, the obedience of faith. It starts with grace, it calls us to apostleship, and apostles are to replicate. We are to be in the business of multiplying, uh, not just by having children and grandchildren, but by sharing the faith with other people who are called to this same life of discipleship and obedience. And Christians are called to do this regardless of age, whether still active in their job or retired. We all have a witness to share. This last week, some of you were here And I had um, the duty and the honor of officiating at Jesse Vick's funeral. And some of you know that he wasn't just a former member of staff and a member of this congregation, but he was my really uh, good buddy. And uh, after the service, we're in Fellowship Hall. And a gentleman I'd never seen before, who had never been here before, but he knew Jesse, motioned to me to come over, and uh, I came over. And... um, He wanted to compliment me and congratulate me on building such a beautiful church building. And I said, well, I don't get the credit. You know, this was here before I arrived. And um, if you're going to thank anybody, you thank the building committee, the architects, the members of the congregation who foot the bill. Uh, And by the way, we, we do life here in this beautiful building not to get praise, but, you know, to glorify God. And then he went on to say, well, your, your members must really appreciate this great space they get to enjoy. And man, oh man, he said, that amazing view of the mountains, that, that view of the Sandias was so great, preacher, I didn't listen to a word you said. So I got his name and address, and he's going to get a copy of the sermon. And I hope, I hope he's right in that you, you do appreciate These facilities. But here's the thing. We apostles, uh, we didn't build here just for ourselves and our own enjoyment. Um, We built here for mission. We are a Lutheran congregation in mission for Christ. Uh, We build here for people who've not even worshipped here yet. (laughs) Uh, We built here For the young people in the city whose moms and dads, you know, people my age, baby boomers, you know, said to themselves, you know, our parents dragged us to church every week and Sunday school. And we're not going to do that to our kids. We're going to let them decide for themselves. And by the grace of God, some of those children who were giving no guidance. No spiritual guidance are finding their way to Jesus because young people in this congregation are daring to share their faith. I met um, a, a woman last night at the Saturday evening service who was here for the first time and when I asked her how she found us she said, well, you know, one of your members told me about her relationship to Jesus and invited me to come here. I thought it was the website or the sign or it was someone who dared to move out of her comfort zone and, and Share her faith with the sister. Paul says, if you read on in the letter, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for everyone. I don't think that any of you are ashamed of the gospel, but some of you have told me you're a little nervous, a little tentative, um, a little anxious about sharing it with other people because... You don't know how they're going to respond. And you wouldn't want to go ruining any friendships if people found out that you love Jesus. And I just have to ask you, well, what kind of friendship is it? And do they really know you if they don't know that you love the Lord? Um, Other people say, well, it's easy for you to stand up there, senior pastor, because, you know, you've got a knack for doing that and you're a pastor, it's, it's not the same for me. I, I'm rather shy and introverted. Hello, let me say it again for like the 20th time. I am a monster introvert. This is hard for me. I only can do it because of God's grace and your patience and the prayers of many people. Um, I experienced God's grace in school as a kid when the bell rang before the teacher got to the end of the alphabet and Bruce Wilder didn't have to go up and give his book report. Thank you, God, you're gracious. (laughs) But here I am. And it's not easy. I'd rather be in the back row. But God called me up here and so did you. And if I can do it, you can do it. Um, a, A Christian who doesn't share her faith or his faith with other people, to me, makes as much sense as someone who says, I am an accomplished chef and has never prepared a meal. Or someone who says, I am an outstanding coach. I've got my whistle, I've got my clipboard, I've got my playbook, but has never coached a single team. Could you imagine a physician saying, I am an outstanding doctor, but has never seen and refuses to see a single patient, I mean, that would be nonsense. By grace, you've been called to apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith in those who don't yet know Christ. If it's hard for you to do that, I get it, but God changed Saul to Paul, Bubba To William, he took a shy, introverted kid and made him a pastor. And he can do wonderful things through you. It's in your spiritual DNA. It's who you are. And it's what God calls you to be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.